Hello, my name is Hope, and I am one of the pastors at 8th Street Church in Oklahoma City. I want to welcome you today to This Week in the Way of Jesus. This is the fourth week in the season of Lent. Lent is that season for repentance and confession. It's a season to linger in the dark, to stay in the unfinished, the painful, the messy middle. That's why many of us are quick to jump to brighter and lighter seasons. Easter and Christmas captivate our attention while we do everything we can to avoid Lent. Lent is painful. It reveals truths about us and the world that we would rather not see so clearly. But I remain convinced that we need Lent more than ever. After all, we can't get to the empty tomb except by way of the cross. I think we also miss something crucial if we skip too quickly over to the resurrection. There is an invitation for us, a beauty that awaits us, not just on the other side of the empty tomb, but right here, here in our real life, here in the darkness, here in the midst of it all. We're not inclined to linger in the darkness, and we're certainly not inclined to notice the beauty that awaits us here. And that's why we invite you, as we have throughout this season, to take on a fast. Kingdom is coming. We are praying for it. The kingdom is coming. We are waiting for it. The kingdom is coming. We are working for it. The kingdom is coming. Hear the word of the Lord from the book of John. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You'll find me with the broken in the weak, in the spaces in between. You'll hear my out with those who weep only if you're listening at the foot of the cross we find jesus's mother a handful of other women and his best friend this is the darkest moment any of them will ever experience they are looking at the loss of their dreams their hopes their expectations and even more than that, they are looking at the loss of their beloved son and friend. All around them, they are surrounded by fear, hatred, and violence. And it is right here that Jesus offers words of tender love and care. It is here, in the midst of despair, that Jesus offers 
Jesus sees his mother standing at the foot of the cross next to his disciple. In some of his very final words, Jesus offers her generous care. She was most likely a widow. In a culture where women could not inherit or own property, Mary was extremely vulnerable. The responsibility to care for her would have passed from Joseph, her husband, to her eldest son, Jesus. Now that Jesus is dying by execution, there is real fear over what might happen to Mary. Jesus is making sure that the one who offered him so much love and care would also be taken care of when she needs it most. While this is beautiful and generous and kind, I think that there is something more going on in this text than just that. At the foot of the cross, Jesus is not merely caring for his mother in his final moments. What's happening is not merely a practical concern. Jesus gives Mary to John, but he also gives John to Mary. Jesus is not just thinking logistically here. Jesus is forming an entirely new family. He is offering these two people to one another in love. This family that Jesus is creating extends beyond Mary and John in these moments. While this story is specific to these two people who knew and loved Jesus, it is also representative. Mary and John have little in common. What they do have in common is their relationship to Jesus. That is how the writer of John wants us to remember them. Jesus' mother, the disciple Jesus loved. The fact that they loved and were loved by Jesus is the tie that binds them together. And because of these words of Jesus on the cross, that is the tie that will outlast every other one. Friends, this is the beginning of the church. As Will Willimon says, from this moment on, never again could the world say family without Jesus' people thinking church. Jesus gave these two people to one another as a gift, as a way of mediating his love and care long beyond when he was physically present with them. Friends, here is the good news. This is not just Mary's story. This is not just John's story. This is our story. We who were once lonely and lost have been adopted into a good family. We say it each week in our service. We belong to God and to one another. But here's the bad news. We're not alone. We belong to God and to one another. Our lives no longer belong only to us. In our baptism, God graciously plucks us out of our individuality and sets us down into a group of people who we never would have known, much less loved otherwise. But now we call them brother and sister. In this new family, 
Our lives are not our own anymore. We no longer live solely in service to our own needs, desires, and comforts. There is nothing wrong with desire, comfort, or even preference. Hear me clearly when I say there is nothing inherently sinful about these things. In fact, they are often places we can meet with God. But what happens when you belong to a family is that while those things are important, they are no longer the most important thing. In this family, you are now invited to also consider the needs, the desires of your brothers and your sisters. You're invited into a community of belonging. You're invited to experience the freedom that comes when something isn't all about you. My blessing is on those who love the poor. Will you open up the door? Fasting is a practice we take on where we say no to something so we can say yes to God. Some people fast from a specific meal or maybe they don't eat during a certain time of the day. Some people fast from entertainment or social media. You could fast from needless consumption and consumerism. Others fast from specific privileges or delights that are meaningful to them. Adele Calhoun says in her book, Spiritual Disciplines, Fasting is an opportunity to lay down an appetite, an appetite for food, for media, for shopping. While this act of self-denial may not seem huge, after all, it's just a meal or a trip to the mall, it brings us face to face with the hunger at the core of our being. Fasting exposes how we try to keep empty hunger at bay and gain a sense of well-being by devouring creature comforts. Through self-denial, we begin to recognize what controls us. Our small denials of self show us just how little taste we actually have for sacrifice or time with God. One of the byproducts of fasting is paying attention. Fasting, whether we like it or not, is revelatory. By taking away something, we cannot help but notice how dependent we were on it. We cannot help but notice how dependent we are on comfort and pleasure. By saying no to something, we are automatically creating space in our lives to notice and pay attention to what we might have flown by otherwise. We notice ways that we might be putting our own comfort and preferences over the needs of those in our very community. Fasting is a way of putting skin on the statement, we belong to God and to one another. This week, as you continue your fast throughout the season of Lent, I want to encourage you to notice the spaces of margin that are opened up in your life because of your fast. 
I wonder what opportunities might present themselves to you in those spaces that are normally filled with eating, social media, shopping. I wonder what God might be inviting you to lean into this week. Thank you for joining us this week in the way of Jesus. My prayer for you is that you would know how very deeply you are loved and that you would allow that love to bind you together to this new family. May the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you wherever you go. Amen.